Welcome to the second episode of the Coaching Debate on the Big Kickoff League of Ireland channel. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'll be joined by some of the best coaches around to discuss and debate any and every football coaching topic. So don't be afraid, send in your topic here on the Big Kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. Okay, let's introduce the coaches. Firstly, we've got Graeme Gartland who played for Drogheda, Shamrock Rovers, Shelbourne, Longford, St. Johnson and currently coaches at Shamrock Rovers. You're still there, Graeme, yeah? Yeah, 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 still there, yeah. Great stuff. Welcome on the show. Show. Uh, Martin Russell has managed and coached at UCD, St. Pat's, Limerick, Bray and Athlone. Uh, he's a hell of a lot of clubs, so we'll just say a few oh. of them. Martin, Leicester, Middlesbrough, Scarborough, reported down and St. Pat's. Uh, welcome onto the coaching debate, Martin. How are you, Roy? How are you, Graham? Brilliant. Now, you may already know the layout from watching episode one. So basically, I will hand out a topic and I will ask the coaches to discuss that very topic. So let's start with the first one. And the first one yeah. is kind of a discussion that I had. I had a discussion with numerous people on many of occasions, but mostly after the Europa Conference League final. And a lot of people detest the style of football Jose Mourinho uses. They were quite vocal about it too and they described it as anti-football. Mourinho bores the football world to death. He's a specialist in negativity, disgraceful the way he plays. So my question is, and we'll start with you, Martin, should every, and it could be coach, but I'm putting schoolboy here, should every schoolboy coach avoid using Mourinho-type tactics and look to play open and expansive football? Oh, for me, and again, this is the thing, I think it's... um you know, people's philosophy on the games, people's ideas how the game should be played is, is, is can be very different, you know. But particularly in a, in what you're talking about there, schoolboy development, um, I don't think you should be putting too many ceilings on players. Now, having said that, um, you know, players have got to be able to defend as well as attack. Um, but I would, I would personally, I wouldn't like to be a young kid that's going every, out every week with a fear of not losing rather than trying to win the game. So that's the way I'd approach as a coach. And um, so I can understand why at the top level, um, where even more so results matter, that managers like Mourinho think this is the best way to win the game. And um, we're in a professional set of a professional environment where people's livelihoods are at stake. The game is treated different. You know, there is two differences between development and, and winning professional matches. Okay, so should every team, and I'll come to you now, Graham, should every team, Martin, look to play a similar style then? Um, well, yeah, this is a, this is the thing. It's like, you know, we talk about. I, I, I equate it this way. You know, um, you know, I'll ask you, do you like music? And you'll tell me. I'll ask you who's your favorite band, and I'll tell you my favorite band is. You know, at the moment, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Elvis Presley film. Big fan of Elvis, but you you could tell me your favorite band is. It's folk music, but there's different variants. For me, again, going back to my upbringing, I, I was probably privileged to play in a side that. From I remember till I went uh, going to the UK, always played attacking football. So as I said, yeah, as a kid, um, I'm glad I was in that environment. If you're telling me that an adult, a coach, is going out and telling kids, you know, hold on a minute, not don't do the expansive or you know, pull the reins back on them or put ceilings on them, I wouldn't be for that. You know, I think I listened to, I listened to the first show, and one of the things that I would debate, which is right, was, um, you know, you talk about playing out from the back, for example. And if it wasn't working, you know, to maybe to, 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 to 
which I think happens in Ireland, we go away from it too quickly because we haven't had success on it. So again, one of the attributes that I think a coach has to have is patience. And even if it's not working, you have to give it a length of time for kids to develop, to be able to play under pressure because that's where you want the kids to get to. You know, you want to get to a kid that is able to play under pressure rather than say, no, you can't do this and, and we're going to try this. So as I said to you, I would approach developing young players um, to the point that I would look at um, no ceiling and sort of say, where do you want them to get to? Where's the modern game? Which way the modern game is being played? And, you know, for me, it's a technical-based game where, you know, your defenders have to be good on the ball. And the only way you can be good on the ball is to be learned to play under pressure. Okay. Graham, your thoughts. I might come back on, on, on that play now from the back as well, Martin, because yeah, you've touched yeah. on it. Uh, Graham, what's your thoughts on it? Um, every team in in schoolboy football to play same way, similar way. We've seen a lot of teams uh, being high pressed now. And I know it, and Martin's talking about it there that keep working at it and, and, and you might get it. Uh, some teams aren't as good as other teams. So there is other tactics that do have to be. Uh, and this may be at an under 13, under 14, under 15 uh, level where they, to make it a leveler, they might use other tactics just to make, keep themselves in the game. So is that acceptable or, or what's your thoughts, especially with all the, 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 the anti-football comments? Um, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. Like if you're, if you're going to play expansive open football on the ball, it doesn't mean you can't be tight defensively without it. So you can, you can set up your team to be good playing out and you can also set up your team to be good defensively. Now, how you decide to defend, that's, that's up to you. If you'd want to say, right, we're going to press high or you want to say, well, do you know what? This team is really good in the build-up phase. We're going to drop. That's okay. Again, but I, I would 100% agree with Martin. For if you put it this way, right? If you decide to, at 20 years of age to teach kids we're going to pl- try and play out from the back at 20, after they haven't learned that all the way through their young uh, development phase, you're not going to be able to do it. It's it's simple. You're, you're trying to reinvent the wheel here. You're trying to roll back time. It's not going to be. It's not going to go in as much. So, but for example, if you decide to get a twenty-year-old who, for ten years, has learned how to play out in the back, learn how to be expansive, learn how to open up the game, learn how to dribble out of the back, learn how to play off the dribble—all them things that we associate with playing out of football—if you decide to tell him at, at twenty, do you know what? We're not going to play out anymore. We're going to go direct. I'm pretty sure you'll pick that up within two weeks. But if you try and do it the other way around, it's not possible. And I, I'd be a, a, somebody who sorted had that as a, as a defender that, right, we're going to try and play out a little bit more. It was tough, like, you know. So again, and touching on Martin's point is 100% right. If you don't put them under pressure and say to them, right, you're going you're gonna to experience a little bit of pressure at 14, but it's okay. As a coach, I'm okay with you maybe coughing up a goal mm. by trying to play out. That's on me. I'm making you do it. I'm demanding that you do it. I'm taking the brunt of that pressure off the child mm-hmm. or the player. Then exactly, they have a way out, but they're constantly learning. And the next time, if they do make a mistake because, A, they might have over-dribbled or whatever mistake they've made under hit a pass, they're learning from that. And there's no bigger learning than actually somebody scoring that they go, oh, I, I've, that's me. And the coach is able to fix it. But the coach isn't saying, you're not able to do it. They're able mm-hmm. to say, this is where you went wrong. Allow me to help you. But under no circumstances do you, you you lose your courage to do it. And that's where I think we need to be a bit more courageous as coaches and brave as coaches to say, 
yeah, we're going to play out more. And I, I had an incident with this at the weekend where a team said, we're not playing out against you because you press really well. And I was like, we're not, we don't want to play out against Shamrock Rovers. And I was going, well, if you're not going to play out against, you're not going to play out at this age group against Shamrock Rovers, how do you expect mm. them to be brave when they become senior footballers? Because you're taking out, you're putting a fear factor in them very, very young and it shouldn't be there. And for me, that's the biggest thing you try and coach the young players is to be courageous and be, be brave in their decision-making. Of course, you want them to work hard and all that stuff that comes with it, but never have a fear of who you're looking across the pitch against. And, that, and that's something that needs to be really encouraged into young players, I feel. I think okay. you, so, well, just quickly on that one, I think you know, making mistakes is a great learning tool for any young player because it gets them to say, you know, how can I sort this out? And um, I mean, if you're talking about playing out with bike, for example, you know, it's either going to break down because the skill set isn't there, whether it's the keeper's poor ball, it's either going to break down because the movement isn't good enough from the fullback um, that quick. It is either going to break down because decision is wrong. Now, I'm not saying you just stick it on a fullback and, and you say, listen, there you go, and he, and he, and he can't have a touch because he's marked so tight. We talk about you're only doing that. You're only playing out in the back, in my regard, in, in, when you're in possession, is to create space. So again, if the, if you have a high press, now your space is in midfield or up front, and you clip a little ball into there. And you seen I seen it last night with the Ukraine lads. And I'm, I'm to be fair to the Irish lads, they tried that again when the press was on to clip a ball into the front. And some of the long passing from both teams early on wasn't great, but mm. they were they were trying to mix it up. But what I did like about the Ukraine game last night, for example, was that if you remember in the first um, ten minutes. They nearly conceded two goals from Ireland pressing and winning the ball. So but that's my point. That's my point, Martin. If yeah. if you yeah. are finding that you're getting caught out because they're so yeah. good at the press, do you yeah. need to change a bit? You need to get better at playing out. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's, that's, that's a senior level as well. It's and that's like, a senior level. So if you imagine yeah. I mean again, you know, I mean you know, again go back to what we talked about in terms of um school by football. You know, when does a kid learn to play out? If he doesn't get an opportunity to learn how to play under pressure, don't expect them, as Graham says, at 20 to want the ball. It, you have to yeah. bring it with you. You know, same as any skill set in the game. You have to be comfortable. And one of the skill sets is, is, is playing under pressure. Um, so, you know, I would I would just be a little bit more patient with kids. And if it means, listen, you have a team and it gets relegated, If you pay, if, depending on what you want, if, if you as a coach prioritise winning, or, or should I say not losing, then don't take any chances. But if you prioritise development, you've got to take chances and you've got to learn from mistakes. So that's the way I look at it. Okay, Martin, so I, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I knew the two of you would be on the same page anyhow. So I'm asking you the questions. What about a team who aren't doing very well with it, as you said, get relegated with it, but with that then it's, it's a knock in confidence. You know, where? how do you build that confidence back up to make sure that they're still going to play in, in that manner and have faith in that manner? Well, again, you know, whatever team you have at will be pitched at a level. And, you know, that level for that, in that year might be too strong for them mm. in regards to playing out from the back. But it doesn't mean that, again, if you... And this is the thing, coach, you've got to identify as, as a coach why you're not able to play out the back. And then... Working with the kids, try and get them to buy in how they need to do things better to allow them to be better playing out in the back. And that doesn't happen overnight, which some people, which coaches get frustrated in, especially in school by football. That can take practice and practice and practice to get a team playing through the thirds, um, especially if they're coming from a low base. 
quicker if you're coming from a, a high base, you know. So it depends on the level you're at. And everybody has said, yeah, there's different levels in school by football. There's different le levels in senior football. But the modern, the, the modern game for me demands control of both the, of the game on both sides. When you have the ball and when you, as Graham says, as soon as you lose the ball, you've got to control the defensive side of the game. And it can be as yeah. basic as that. But you say, don't allow, don't allow kids to play under pressure. For me, you're doing them a disservice and you're putting a ceiling on them far too young. Okay. So the question again was uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, Graham. So we, if would you look, if you're looking at a, a countrywide uh, philosophy and that's what they do have in place to make sure that they don't know teams play in that manner uh, no yeah, matter but, what, or is do you give them the opportunity to be able to change within a game uh, to maybe to facilitate being able to compete? You, you have like again, and it's not the, this not knocking no, long balls. I'm talking no, about. I'm no, talking about no, using maybe using the space in behind the press and then maybe pushing them back a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, but the simple fact is, if a team's squeezing up against you and you're trying to play through the towards, there has to be a thought process of where the space is defined. So then you're looking at needing willing runners and, and all that stuff. Like, so again, as Martin says, having an out for the goalkeeper is a big thing for me. Is if if they do squeeze up, like, can we have a little rotation in midfield where, you know, a simplistic thing like a six swapping with an eight just mm -hmm. to, to rotate? Um, you know what? We've uh, the going man for man, so one of my wingers comes in to collect the ball, and then there's a little channel that you clip and you say to them, "Listen, you know, anytime you press, we can we know where the space is." So again, but as Martin says, it's work and it's and it's it's given the option to the kid to let them to see that again. It's multiple options, and then it's up to the goalkeeper, the players to go right. I'm choosing this one. And it's their choice. And if they make the mistake because they made the wrong choice, again, it's a learning curve. I, 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 I don't care how a team wants to play defensively. I really don't. And that's the God honest truth. If they want to do a low block and defend, that's their choice. Whatever way they decide to defend, For I don't believe in a, in a philosophy in terms of um, defending as a development team. As in, uh, Martin will turn around and he makes a very good point that the modern game is a high press so that's why we should teach our players our kids to develop and play in a high press because that's the environment that they're going to go into at the highest level so you're trying to tick that box for the kids to say mm -hmm. we've taught you how to press high because that's the that's the environment you're going into so you don't want to fail them by not teaching them but if you decide one day to go do you know what we're going to defend deep or we're going to go into a low block or a medium block or we're going to you know just play here and and pick and choose when to defend that's okay but because you can develop other things in defensively but in terms of playing with the ball and how you try and play like again man city go for a lot of control with the game liverpool go for a lot of high tempo but it's still really good football Um, i wouldn't be an advocate of maybe dull not playing out football squeezing squeezing the pitch playing for seconds i wouldn't be in that i wouldn't I wouldn't go near that from a development standpoint. Yeah. If I had to get results to make sure I stayed in the league, which we did as I was oh. when I was assistant in Scotland, do you know what? Like Martin said, my livelihood was on the line. I had to make sure I had a job at the end of the season. That's stuff you have to do. Um, but does it go against my natural feeling as a as a as a coach, oh. as a development coach where I came from? Yeah, of course it did. But 
needs must at times. And like Martin was involved in European teams. We played in Europe as well, where we basically said to teams, you just have the ball, come and break us down. And like, I remember, I think for about a half an hour against Kiev, Jesus, we didn't touch it. You know, it was, it was like, it was just runners everywhere and you're trying to stay in the game. But again, us on the ball then we had to we think in Europe and Martin would be understand this as well because he played at a really high level in Europe you win the ball back and you sort of breathe out and think you're going to get a breather here and you don't that they come at you and then you're thinking right, I need to work really hard to stay on the ball as well and that's the thing that you're trying to encourage with the younger players is you've worked really hard to win the ball back now it's your turn to enjoy it but really embrace it and really open out and work really hard to keep it and have runners and run t- sometimes runs that you're not going to use but still a good run because it opens up space but in terms of Mourinho stuff like you can't really equate that to, to development football because I'm pretty sure Mourinho would, would rather a player was developed in the right way before he got to him and then says right you're going to play this way because he knows it's in him but if it's not in him to play it's very hard to very hard to put, put it back in the bottle as they say you know Okay. All right. We'll leave that one there. Um, again, uh, it's 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 something that you will see throughout the leagues. Where if you look at schoolboy leagues, and we know it with with football at the highest level, it's it's all about money, results, and and you have to do what you have to do at times. Um, uh, and of course, Man City and Liverpool have the 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 best of money, and they can get in the best of players who will be able to adapt to these situations. So that's great. Mm. At the schoolboy level, it is all about development, uh, and we might touch on that a little bit later on with one of the questions. Okay, uh, second question is: Should you raise your voice to raise the standard? Graham, I'm going to go with you. So that's either in a training session or a match. Um, I'll have to go, yeah, because I have done before. Like you know, I'd be very, I'd be vocal in terms of pushing the kids to to be to basically give the maximum input like our maximum output whatever you want to call it like play play flat out uh train flat out i use the term all the time every game you empty like you see and you see where the line is and then next week you move the line again because you've given me everything you can or you're giving the your team everything you can and then you, the line moves out so there's more but I think, yeah, I think, and I actually think kids respond to that as, as well as because it's a good message. Um, you know, give us your lot. And, Come on, there's more in you. And they look and think, yeah, there is, and I'll go again. So, um, yeah, I've, like, I, can't, I can't say no because I'd be um, quite vocal as a coach and um, quite go- vocal with me demands. But it comes off the back. I'm not just like that straight. I try not to be like that straight away. I think you need to build the trust with them so that they know when you do raise it that they sort of go, okay, like, you know, um, I know he's doing it from a place of he wants me to be the best version of myself I can be here as a footballer. So I'm going to try and give him what I can uh, and give the team what I can. So, yeah, I think you can. I think you, you can push kids. I think sometimes they respond to it. I think then it's about picking and choosing which ones respond differently and which ones need what they need um, but yeah I wouldn't be adverse to it no yeah Martin you we have these situations uh, at home say where if you're roaring and shouting at your own kids constantly they're not going to listen so it'd be no different when you're out on the football pitch you do have to have a calmness about you and then if there is a little raise of the voice they know that they need to, to pay attention is that the same with football 
I think, um, you know, I think you, there's a couple of things, you, if, you know, again, I wouldn't, I'm not adverse to it, but you've got to be selective, you know, rather than being ranting all the time. Um, and I, I'm probably not, I don't think I am one of those, especially with kids football. I tend to observe more and mm. um, maybe, maybe I'm a little more vocal with the senior lads, to be honest. Um, but I think, again, as you say, you rightly point out, you know, a couple of things that, you know, if, if an adult is ranting at a kid, and again, we're going back to development stuff, um, uh, you know, I mean, he's, not, he's probably not taking it all in because he's concentrating on the game. Um, and if you keep on doing it all the time, then, you, you know, you're not going to have the same effect as if you're more selective with it. Um, one of the things I remember as well is I think a lot as, as a coach, you know, if if you're ranting, on the, and, and I know Graham is not on top of Graham ranting or anybody, but some coaches will, will tend to probably talk more all the all the game. Then you've got to question, you know, the, the, the understanding of the work you've been doing in the training, in the practices. Um, and a case in point, I always remember, and I always remember um, that when I went over to, to Manchester and I was playing for the U teams over there, that um, we managed, I managed to play under Eric Harrison, who later was responsible for the for the 92 class, but he had us a few years earlier. But a lot of the stuff that's funny that, that Neville would talk about, we sort of said, yeah, he was doing that with us, blah, 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 you know. But one of the things I remember, one of the things I remember from a coaching point of view was that um, Eric would, at the at the match day, Eric would stand up in the canteen where there was a glass window. So he wouldn't be down at the touchline. And I could nearly, I could nearly tell every game where I knew I'd get a bollocking at halftime or where I knew I was okay without him saying anything from the touchline because of, of what we'd done during the week, because I knew what was demanded. And I knew going in to the dressing room at halftime, I'm in for a bollocking here. And I said, yeah, he wasn't on the touchline. So I think that's the relationship that, you know, it, it, the working relationship that the coach is doing his stuff well. You know what's demanded from you. And um, rather than the coach remind you incessantly on the line. Yeah. So, Graham, would you see that now? Uh, you're, you're coaching, you're up against other teams. Would you see that coaches screaming, shouting across, trying to get their point across? And as Martin said, maybe it's look in the mirror. Uh, if you yeah. haven't said, if you haven't said this on the training ground, then you probably wouldn't have to. Yeah, to, it's like uh, you said. It, or, yeah, Martin makes a great point. Like, but. It's akin to a racehorse, really, you know, right? A racehorse knows it's running to the end of the line, but still needs a reminder. And and again, it's 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 that little that one was on there, or you know, what again touching on you give them little pointers of uh if it's a second one in a like I, I I we were working on two weeks ago, we were working on midfielders doing dropouts in the in the middle toward of the pitch. So it was our wing-backs were going to go as high as we could, pin the full-backs back. And then one of my centre midfielders was going to roll out as the ball was being switched. And again, as it was happening, I've said to me midfielder, here it comes. Like, And he's looked and he's gone, yeah. And then another time I left it. And then another time I left it. And then I was like, is it on again? Like I've asked, the, I think when you ask questions, I think... If you can, if you can put your information in a question, you know what's on there, like, and then it makes them look, and you go, "Oh yeah, your striker." And then the next time they're on the way in, they look for the striker. Now, the striker might be on the second time, but he he recognises it and then rolls out or do, does something different. But it's it's that look that you want is that they're scanning and they're making the decision, and you know there might be something where 
the opposition has tweaked something to stop you playing out or stop you playing through, and then you're able to go have a look at what they're doing now, or they've gone man for man in midfield, now our striker's on. So now it's like, have a look, what's on now? And then they look and they go, right, and then you go, right. And and I don't know, like, so it's hard because the, the games are getting really competitive with the National League now at 15 mm. level, and there's a lot. I think everybody's wanting to be as successful as they can at underage level now. And seen the last year and even this this season in terms of we're in a friendly season and I see it. But listen, I I, I, I try and be as encouraging as I can on the sideline. And that comes across as being very vocal. So I can't really then call out other coaches for doing it as well. As long as it's so what age as long do as you... it's in the right information, like you know. What age do you get more demanding then when you, because there is going to be that transition towards senior football. So what age would you start transitioning? I know you're, you don't, you go to senior football, you don't start roaring and bollocking and all that sort of stuff, but you are a little bit more firmer with them. So when does that transition kick in? Probably 16, 17. Like it's, it's, it gets to that stage where they're young adults and they're about to be like, could this lad play in a force team? And if he does, the, the demands are on him. And then, like, again, oh. it could be a case where he's, if he doesn't take on the information, that doesn't get going in a, in a force team game, he just gets whipped off. And the, and, the, and the manager or the coach is like, why well, doesn't he know this stuff? And that's on you as a, as a development coach to say, well, oh. I'm the one that's promoted him. So he has to understand the game and understand the demands of the game. And that's the biggest thing. Um, Martin will understand that as bringing kids through at UCD is that they get a bit of a fright when uh, how... I I, I don't want to use the word cynical, but how professional first-team football is and how they spot weaknesses and how other teams will take advantage of a weakness. Like, you know what, the left-back is 5-for-4 and and you think he, he does really well in a development game and then all of a sudden... The big striker just peels on him for every diag, and he just gets battered. And you and, the, and you're thinking, what mm-hmm. do I do here? Because first team players will oh, like first team matches to win, they will hit whatever you is your weakest point. Like and 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 that's that's the the level that that becomes. And you nearly have to try and prepare your players mm-hmm. to have that thought process to be cynical and be like, taking yeah, and them taking advantage of weaknesses that you see in other other opposition. So. Yeah. About 16, 17, I'd say. Again, I, I would probably, this is it. And this is what I say, what we're talking about, I mean, Graham mentioned about, you know, UCD playing against Rovers. And I, I was, you were a UCD coach for a few years. And yeah. You know you're playing against a better team, better group of players. I'm looking at their bench and I'm saying, if we could get their bench into our team, we'd probably get them a better game, you know? Yeah. So players will always be the first, you know, ingredient in it. The thing about it is, and it doesn't seem, the, but then again, when Rovers go and play in Europe, they're playing against a different level. So levels are the thing, and if, but if you go back down, when when does a young player start to be elite? So for me, you know, I'm talking. You can you can possibly begin to identify potential young players, 13, 14. We think about them. I got my my first international cap as a 15 year old, but I was playing in the and Graham's is probably the same. Played in the, the representative sides, the DDSL, and I think you're beginning to look along the elite. Um, bracket then um i think you got you have to be demanding then in the right way i always remember going to i think the FAI put on one of the conventions down in carlo someplace like that going back a while ago and they had a dutch lad over 
and he'd worked with these group of kids the night before and, and he was just doing a basic passing around the grid touch passing around the grid he then advanced it into touch set play the next man and the set was breaking down twice by this lad who who looked the player he looked the pack but he let one he let one roar at him and he said international he knew he knew the kid was probably at a level and now he's international and that was him telling the kid standards and again i think i remember he was the kid would have been about i'd say probably about 14 15. but this is it you know there is standards and there is levels and again listen there's levels where it is recreation where the kids it's fun and it's and there's levels where you need to be more demanding particularly if a lad is being geared for as, as graham's talked about the rootlessness of uh professional football um so you know standards matter and they matter yeah. they don't they, for me they matter it goes back to you talk about the best in the world i mean when did messi start practicing dribbling you know he brought that all the way with him it didn't yeah. just he didn't just get 14 and say i'm gonna practice dribbling today i'll bet you you'll see him in clips where he's seven eight years of old age boom not losing the ball so it, that, you know yeah. what i'm saying the tactics and the things will come later but regards to the skill set of dribbling he practiced that to an elite level of an elite eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old there's no accent about messy you know it's pure practice but our, our job Roy, as coaches here is that the standards that we were given these kids at 14 and 15 carries them for their standards that stays inbred in them like yeah like again you know the the whole thing of i'm good no matter who's my manager that type mm. of standard that i will get if martin comes in and is my coach and martin wants me to play a certain way and i'll go i'll, I'll buy into that martin but what I, what I will give you every every week is i'll give you maximum effort and i'll give you maximum sort of enthusiasm the other stuff that you might try and teach me i might struggle on but i'll, I'll try my best and no matter who my manager is, I will give you everything I have as a footballer. That's the standard you're trying to give to the kids. That it doesn't matter who comes in or who whether you whether you like them or whether you don't like them. Your standards are your standards. So our job, my job as a coach, is actually to make me a bit obsolete to the child. That you won't need me to drive yourself. You you push yourself. I will give you help on the small little like the deep not small little thing the details of how to play a certain position what we're looking for in that position how to develop that but your your heart your desire your enthusiasm your energy that should i shouldn't have to push that that should be a given when you get to a certain age and that's that's what you're trying to get to that your standards you know what i don't this this doesn't these 10 things don't require talent i'm, I'm on time i'm ready to train i'm mm. like i'm open to information i've know all that stuff we're trying to put that into them as kids that it stays with them so no matter who's the manager they're able to conduct themselves and carry themselves in a, in a very i don't want to say professional manner but it, 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 that's the type of thing you're looking for is that no matter who comes in and coaches them they're gonna have good a good grounding and that's they're very hard to come by as as players but that's the most important thing i feel you need to give, to give players like you know so i suppose what we're saying is is that at any level you're coaching that level so it it doesn't fit one level to to 
you know, yeah. where you might raise a voice or where you might do whatever it is, and, X, Y, yeah, and Z. Look, again, and I touch on this as well, and Martin, like Martin's coached at different levels at schoolboy as well. Like people, I, I, I had a comment made to me, oh, but you're Shamrock Rovers, about where youth teams. And I got a bit, I said, because I said, do you think we started like this? Because we didn't. We started and all our teams were in lower divisions. Like I was getting, we were getting slapped. Cherry Orchard were slapping us. Um, St. Kevin's, Belvedere, they were all beating us, like, easily. Like, and, and again, you're an upcoming coach, you're up again, and then lads are like, stick at it. But at no stage did we say, right, we're going to go away from what we're trying to do in terms of playing. But we knew eventually the standard will come. So the demands I put on the younger the players back then, this was in 2014, was that they just gave us maximum effort and tried their best and tried to play and trusted what we were trying to do and we would back them and if we lost games, no problem, we'll come again, we keep coming and keep building. So eventually we're in a position where we are strong as a, as a schoolboy club, but we still have to have them demands that you carry yourself right, you do, you do the right jobs, you do, like, again, your maximum effort, maximum output, but you're still trying to play in the right way and that, that's the bit that you're trying to get there and we went through that and, and, and I, I think that's where other, t- other teams and, and people, you need to go through that bit of, well, you're going to get beaten or you're going to, but you're building something for the longer term future. Like. Yeah. Martin, just to finish that off, it's really unforgivable when you talk about eight, nine and 10 year olds to be really anyway negative at all with them, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, again, we've we touched on this. Kids will make mistakes. So they'll always have areas to improve. But again, confidence is such a, a factor in, in a player's development that, again, that if a kid is being told he can't do this, he can't do this, he'll believe he can't do it. You know, if he's told he can improve on it, we work at this, you know, yeah, you're giving him confidence. So even if he's not doing so well, there's areas to improve. And if you can highlight, you know, if you can highlight what he's doing well and he say, what a great pass that was, then he's going to want to do it again. And that's the way kids, and again, it goes back to, you know, listen, we've all played as kids. What environment do we want to play in? We want to play in an encouraging environment, an environment that lets us grow, that doesn't put a ceiling on us. There'll be ceilings put on you when you join Mourinho. He'll tell you, I don't, <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want you going forward. But then you might get signed by somebody else, and he wants you to get forward. But at least yeah. you'll have the tools. At least you'll have the tools. If you put the ceiling on too young, you know, kids will find the level. The best players will always be wanted. The best young players will always be recruited by Shamrock Rovers, St. Pat's. They'll be out there seeing them. Everybody wants good yeah. players. It's the coach's job yeah. to try and improve, try and improve, improve the lesser players as well, that they enjoy the game better. They might not be professional footballers. They might get a scholarship to the USA. They might not even get a scholarship yeah. to the USA. They might just play Lancer Senior, but they might be the best Lancer yeah. Senior player. So, you know, there'll be time enough of ceilings put on them. But to encourage them to have a philosophy that to see the big picture, I think what Graham is referring to, to see the big picture of where the game is going, what tools you need to have, and as going back to the youth development, that's a coach's job at youth development. See the big picture for the kids. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and again, our job as coaches and Martin coaching a lot longer than me. I, I want to produce international footballers, and it, and if they fall short of that, they mm. play in in the league. If they fall short of that, like you said, they go to America. If they fall short of that, well, you're constantly keeping players in the game because, but you're that's your. It has to be. And then, like you said, it becomes that trickle-down effect, but you have to coach for that level. Like I, mm. I came back, Martin coached me for about a month at St. Pat's when I first came back. 
and he wanted us to play. I think I played in the League Cup game for Martin. Martin was taking the team. And I oh. had come back from I had come back from Dundee United. What a final of the League Cup it was. I had come back from Dundee That's... United. And basically wasn't a lot of football played. We if we got throw in, you squeezed up. Like that, we're just gonna throw it. And Martin had said to me, Graham, drop off and take the throw in and play. Like and I was like, okay. Uh, that's what that's what he wanted. I dropped off, took one, went out the other side, and Martin was like, Brilliant, well done. This was in the middle of the game at Richmond. And it was just that encouragement to go, just do it. Like because I was being taught, no, just squeeze the game. And I was like, you know what, fair play to you. Like, because but I was doing what I was asked to do for the group I was with before. Martin asked me to do something different. I was then thinking, Am I able to do this? in a little bit of a panic because I'm thinking throwing comes back to me and I let this go underneath me. We're in trouble. But again, done well. Martin was like, brilliant, Graham, well done. And I think he was, I don't know, but at the time he said it to me then at half time, he said, Graham, keep open, keep dropping and opening up the game. And I was like, great. But it was the fact I think I was willing to take on the information and try it that he was like, listen, well done. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I, I remember, I remember we won the game 3-0, but that was what I took out of the game that I was encouraged to play and I thought, oh, this is good. Like, I, think, I think, again, you know, I, mean, I, I vaguely remember that. Could that be the only one I took charge of past before I, I moved on? I'm not so sure. But um, what, what, uh, equal on the other side, people used to accuse um, previous managers, Stephen, of, I think, Jack being, a, Jack being a one that, you know, go back to the Jack era where a defender couldn't get the ball unless he could get over the halfway line with it. And I think Trapatoni, I think Giles criticised Trapatoni when he was in charge um, from the unwillingness for the lads to play up the back. And I that's why I, I do do believe again, philosophies that some managers will, you know, they don't want to take the chance. And mm. there's um they limit the players that way. You know, it's it's again, as this goes back to the original thing, you know, for me, I think it's not too much to ask top level players to find time and space in the back to make the pitch expansive. If you believe that you've got better forward players that need space creation, because mm. you're not going to create space by keeping everything narrow. So I would have probably felt on that game, we've got better ballers. We need to make the pitch big. Graham, you drop off and that's going to make them stretched. You know, so um, that's probably my approach to that game. But other, other managers and international teams in Ireland, we would have seen in the past, they don't want to make the pitch big because they no. probably fear they're going to lose the ball and the other team are better team. And what it says there from Graham is is that no matter what age you are, everyone loves a bit of praise. So it's it goes yeah. a long way, doesn't it? So and 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 that you're gonna yeah. you're gonna bloom from that. You're gonna be responsive then, and and uh, you see a better player for that. So when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever it is, you're you're gonna really do those things that you you're gonna want to impress. Because biggest thing with kids, they're going out to impress whether it's their father or their coach or their or their mother, whoever's out watching, or their brothers, sisters, whatever it is. They just want to impress people, you know, and, and get that praise. They feed off it. But also to learn from the mistakes. You know, you don't like yeah. ten times losing the ball and say, "Listen, great stuff." You don't say that either. You you get the kids yeah. inside. And you say what? Well, well, and again, what I would say to kids, and this is again, I've said it in, in little teams I've been involved in. Forget about the result. Go home and write down as many good things you've done in that game. You want to fill two pages. Fill two pages, and then write down one or two things that you can improve on. So if a kid has had a really good game, he'll write an A4 page of things he's done. Yeah. You know, and that's what you want to do. It's what again. It's it's 
performance related for me for, for developing the young kids, what they do yeah, in the game as opposed yeah, to results. Martin, can I ask you a question, Martin? Because I, we, if I'm coaching midfielders, it's one of the areas I, I, I feel a little bit. I, I, I understand the striker stuff because I'm played against them and I know what caused me trouble. And obviously, the defensive side of it, yeah. I'm okay. And I'm, and I'm really working hard on the midfield stuff. And so, yeah. if a player, for example, is it, 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 he's, he's collecting the ball and he's scanning and it's great, and then he opens out and then he thinks right. And then he's he's having looks and he's seeing passes, but it's like does it? I struggle with players where you're giving them information to really help them, and you're saying, "Listen, the force bit's great. You've you've done this, you've done that." But then this thing kicks in where they, it's like they want to just do their own thing, and that's the bit that I'm struggling with for me midfielders is that. But like, yeah, you're coming on. We're doing everything right to do this, but then it does this thought process goes into the head where, no, I've done everything you've asked, but now I want to do my bit. And you're oh, sort of going, but your bit isn't helping the team, you know. And what 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 is what is the bit, Graham, that annoys you most? I mean, is it a bad pass? Is it a bad execution? Is it a dribble no, that he's just dribbling? It's a, yeah, down? it's probably the it's probably that over dribbling thing. But it's the over dribbling thing after they've seen the pass. It's like they see the pass, they don't it. It's probably think they overlook it and look for something better. And and you're sort of going. I think, I think again, and run, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of the, 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 the only way I could approach that guy, I mean, again, I know air level is again, is, is you know, the, and this is where it is how when you use the footage, and I know some of your games that are, but if, yeah. if you get a kid down and, and you've seen, and again, you, I'm, I'm sure it's the case with you, it's not the one time, you, you might have seen it two or three times, yeah, and that's saying, the word, yeah. I, I have to act on this, right? That's a habit, now, yeah, it's becoming a habit, yeah. yeah. So, what I would do is what I've seen. Try and show him what you've seen yeah. in the video thing and say, what, what are you thinking there? And if you think that you should have put that ball through earlier and it's, the space is evident on the footage, I think he'll take that on board because he, he's seen it for himself. It's very yeah. difficult. You know, I said, yeah, I always sometimes, um, if you're coaching in a dressing room at halftime and you're trying to, the kid doesn't see the picture that you see. He, yeah. may, he may not have seen it, should I say. Um, and again, when I find... And this is the thing, when I find kids losing footballs, whether it's a bad pass or whether it's a bad dribble, I just remind them that they've got to get better at their skill set. Because, you know, this is the thing. We, we, the, I ask this question, what's the difference between technique and skill? You know, I always say technique. You see kids on a, on a, on a, at Tristy Games, halftime, the subs all come on. They're flicking the ball up. They're volleying it. They're chesting it. They're volleying it back. They're keeping it off the deck. They look great. But it's not in the game. It's not yeah, when it's it has not to be done. Pressure. It's not when it matters. It's not when it matters. So if you're a semi midfielder and gets on the ball, and it matters that he's got to put that ball inside the fullback for the winger, and he doesn't do it, I'd be questioning his vision and his skill set in there to deliver that pass at that time. You know, if he ends yeah. up running with it and loses, but I think he has. To, I think you have to break it down with him and say if he can. And, and this is the thing about most clubs now have the video stuff that if it's a constant thing, you need to. If you want to sort of improve it, sit down and have a look at it and say, listen, what, what are you saying here? Yeah. And maybe give yeah. him a few options. Yeah, and that probably needs to be done away from, like you said, that that's just a private it, one. It could be an individual. Correct, yeah. And I've done it with players. And I, I remember doing it with one player in particular who I didn't think his work rate was good. And he wasn't tracking runners. And I cool. called him inside and I said, um, have a look at this. And to be honest with you, him seeing, we talk about, you know, pictures painting a thousand words. Him having a look at it, 
he never ran so hard in the next game. Yeah. Because he realized that that's what other people are seeing. So the use of the of the video at the right time, yeah. I don't I don't I don't overload it by any stretch. But if there's something that really bothers me, and I think it's gonna improve the player, um, like on the opposite side, a midfielder not walking, tracking runners, he has to see what everybody else is saying. And then it's back to him taking responsibility and you saying, Do you think that's right? Do you think that's good midfield play? Never ran as hard in the next game. And he was a good technical player. He had the other stuff going forward and he he began to work the harder from there on in. So I think it's it's the use of the video stuff, visual stuff, to help the player you're talking about. If you see if you see that tweak in them, yeah, Brilliant. yeah, that's, I think that's great advice. Um, okay, we go on to question three. Should parents with no experience who take up teams, so this is at the lowest levels, under eights, nines, tens, it doesn't mean the level, lowest stages. Should they take up, or should they have to take an introductory coaching course? to take a team, Graham? Uh, again, what level are you pitching them at? Like if it's so it doesn't matter. It, as long as it doesn't matter really yeah. for me because if it's community or you call it even, you, you're talking Chamber Crovers and stuff like that. I'm even talking about community because where we're talking, for me, ages 6 to 12 is huge in development for their technically yeah. working on their both feet all these things that later on it's a bit like learning to play a piano it's harder as you get older at the younger ages for me it's it's the, the techniques and uh, yeah, as, I, I, I would yeah I'd encourage you I think again I, I, I think at them age groups it, it's you see it all the time it's, it's getting it's getting good quality coaches that are willing to go and coach at them age groups. Mm. So we see this all the time. Everybody goes into coaching and, and, and listen, I'm a product of it. I went in at youth level. I was happy. I was really happy at the youth level. And then you get a phone call and you go, Ooh, and your head gets torn. And I understand that. And I've seen lads come into Rovers and say, Oh, I want to coach national league. And I'm looking, going, go and coach the younger players first. But, I, I, I believe that some of the better coaches should be, especially the technical ones, should be with the younger groups um, and give them that grounding of uh, technical-based um, players. So I would... I would um, I think a lot of them need... I, I think a lot of coaches need that coaching course for two teams, I think, to, to make them understand the technical side of the game as, as parents, but also even just on their demeanor and how they conduct themselves and, and how they speak to kids and how they, how they interact with parents and that type of thing. I think if it's too, it's too easy to go get them a coaching course on the technical side of it. I think that's one, one aspect of it. I think how children take information is, is a massive thing. And again, I'm, I'm not just touching on Martin's point here, but my demeanor would change when I'm coaching younger groups in that mm -hmm. I try and give them more pictures and paint pictures for them because they learn visually. So again, always have a moving ball and how you interact with them. And it, like, if you're doing attacking sessions, you know, you make it expansive. So they're always successful. So they get confidence. If you're doing defending sessions, you make it tight. So again, the defenders are getting confidence from the defendant. So everything's off a of success rate and that type of thing. And that understanding of the game that, everything you try and do is is building so you know dribbling unopposed dribbling semi-opposed dribbling you know 
fully opposed. You're, get, you're not going straight into fully opposed where the, the dribblers who are afraid to dribble don't get any success. You know, they're dribbling unopposed, finishing in the net, they're confident. Then you start introducing defending, etc., etc. So, again, the technical side of coaching is, is different to that type of understanding of the coaching of what you're doing at that age. And they're the things I'd really be encouraging more is that how children learn and why it's important that they're, they're, they're learning off being successful. They're learning off successful practice rather than, and it can be repetitive practice, but it's repetitive successful practice. And that's the stuff that I think the, the younger coaches in the game need to understand. And then it's about not making decisions for them as well. I see a lot of, I touched on this the last time I was with you, you know, telling the kid to shoot or telling the kid to pass because you've seen a pass or you've seen mm-hmm. a shot, but the kid hasn't seen it. The kid might be balanced enough to hit the shot, but he just hits it in any way because he hears shoot from the coach. So that, they're the type of things where you're like, what's on or what do you see? They're the type of questions you should be asking the players in game. And then they, what, when you say to a kid, what do you see? Their head will come up or their chest will come up. And then, that, then, you, then you have that picture of, Right, what's on now? So they're the they're the things I'd be encouraging from a parent and taking um, a kids team. Okay, are are the coaches Martin? Or the, the the I suppose any of the courses are they set up for us to develop kids in the proper manner? As in, uh, as there's a lot of good points there from Graham about how you talk to them, how you can how how you get the message across. Is that kind of thing out there, do you believe, or do we need to reassess what way we're coaching, especially those young ages? Because when the young kids come through, they come through mostly the the community clubs and then they go into yeah. League of Ireland under 14. So really our focus should be there. So are we are, have we designed anything or, or, or do we need to redesign what way we coach at this age? I think, I think the information on the coaching, as far as I'm aware, the information on the coaching course is, is good. So if you, if you go through the ladders, you know, famous themselves, you know, you, you learn it's not a good thing to be ranting and raving at kids. Um, now, the thing, the, the education is the key here, you know, how, how you, whether it's a coaching, whether it may not be a coaching course that you need with the parents, they might not be interested in coaching, but they should be made aware of a code of conduct, best practice, that was the kids. I was at a game. I was at a game recently there, and there was where the pitch was set up. There was one, on one side, the parents from one team were very far away, and on the other side, the parents were near, were on the touchline. And you know, there was a, there was a world of difference. The ones that were closer to the action, maybe they were very vocal, um, a mean, not productive way, like like Graham has touched on there, shouting things at the wrong time. Um, and that can get out of hand, um, but it does come back to education. And then I think, you know, if you, if you talk about each club, what do they do with each group of parents of each team? You know, the parents, you can't expect coaches, you can expect them to behave and, you know, uh, create an environment that allows the kid to enjoy himself without putting undue pressure, um, stuff like bad language, um, or as I've seen lately, even endorsing, you know, a kid's um, fouls and stuff like that. As if it's, a, as if, it's as if I don't know what they're doing, but in terms of you know saying this is well done, it, it, so education is key, and how you get that into the pair like coaching courses for the coaches that want to you know go along that coaching ladder. Um, but there's definitely you know an education to be done with all parents that send their teams in the football clubs, and this is how 
the kid has the best chance of enjoying the game and and learning. Yeah. Uh, Graham, what's your vision for a 6 to a 12 year old well we go 6 to 10 year old because they're they're huge years what what would you, your vision if you took a team at that age what would you be looking to get out of them what would you look to improve with them uh, in those years um confidence in 1v1s um technical ability being willing to you know being brave to take the ball in situations uh having technical uh, efficiency to manipulate situations, manipulate the ball as they see the play, uh, being able to scan, try and get them scanning before they receive a little bit, that it's, it might be a look, but what they see in that picture is is different for every kid. Like I'm sure if Martin looked up, compared to me looking up, he'd see different things. That's just, uh, some footballers have that ability, other, other kids, other people don't. So, um, but the fact that you're trying to look is a big thing. Um, you're working on getting as a team or an individual. So as an individual, you're looking at how they are in the one they one duels. Are they like are they aggressive with the ball? Are you is first touch forward, look forward, all that stuff again, touching on that from a defensive point of view. Are they aggressive in the one v one duels against? Are they able to handle one v one situations against an attacker? So, uh, and that will then touch onto your team that. If you're playing a fiber side, you make the you make it pitch as big as you can in the four v four, and then if they go man for man, then you're hoping that all the work that you've done in your one v one situations bear fruit because every player on the pitch will have a one v one situation. So you're you're trying to make the pitch expansive for them to then shine, and then again taking the ball. Taking the ball from the side, are they able to do that? Taking the ball from behind, where they're able to uh, screen or shield, um, taking the ball in traffic, where there's people around them. So you're trying to build all that, and then it, there's a lot of cognitive stuff that you're trying to get them to understand. That you know, you start to introduce decision making drills or decision making practices, uh, multiple ball practices, where it's you know, the, the quicker looks. So it's, I've played that one, but I'm, I'm moving on to this one to collect it so that they, they, they switch on quick. So, and again, it's just building that, but you're always building it to the point where the challenge, the next challenge they're able for, but it, it is a challenge that it takes them a little bit longer. So then you're working on the resilience to get through it as well. So you're trying to build all that. But the biggest thing for me, and I, I don't know about Martin on this, but and I see it a little bit, and I see it with the international squads, the younger age ones. Don't have any fear in them. Like I, I, I came through as a young international, and you'd be, you'd be not afraid, but you'd be, you'd be looking at other teams, and you'd be going, oh, we're playing France, or we're playing such and such, or you know. I, I think we need to get rid of that as as an Irish team because I think that carries on into the first team. I think by the time you get into the first team, you can't erode that. That's that's five. That's eight years of fear into a child, you know. And I and I think if we make our kids, no matter who they're playing against, to go out and play to the best of ability and match up against people and be what you can, and um, I think it goes a long way for the, for an adult. Like Martin, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think am I right in you saying the age of six to twelve, was it? Six to twelve, yeah, but mostly mostly probably six to ten because that's and I'm delighted that Graham's talking about for me it's all about one v ones. Can we can we develop dribblers of the ball because we, we 
they're so important in 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 games that mm. you, I think if you seen in the in, in yeah. the Ireland game the other day, uh, if we have com- dribblers who are comfortable slaloming through through players, it opens up, it drags people out of position, and 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 that's what you want. And a lot of the time, you will see. Uh, parents, uh, coaches make mistakes at that age by looking for their teams to be looking to pass the ball. And I, I, oh. I feel it's a mistake because I think we should be doing the you know one on one. Listen, if you're in the in, yeah. you're in the back line, and it's a, a five a side game. Oh. Yeah, go and go and try and dribble. Go by him. Why not? Go. You yeah. can't lose. You're not losing nothing here. So go and dribble and, and see how you can beat him, and and then learn as you said off that. So for those six to ten year old age group, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, well, at the six years of age, seven years of age, they'll, they'll naturally want to dribble anyway. You know, that's what they want to do. And again, what we what we probably are, you know, guilty of is is, is getting that out, trying to get that out of them too quickly. You know, mm. and um, you know, you'll always hear, even back in my day, to be honest, yeah, anybody that dribbled with the ball or dribbled a couple of times, they give them the nickname of "He's, he's Gloria." He's a Gloria. Yeah. And and then what can happen? And I said, yeah, when, you know, when it comes to eight, nine, ten. You know, it, it depended on the coach. Again, he, he might just put the seal on that kid. And the kid might say, this uh, this big man wants me to get rid of the ball, so I'll get rid of it, you know? And you've got, it's got to be a strong-willed kid at even 8, 9, 10 that's going to go against a big adult on the side. So we've got to sort of get, be patient and give them responsibility. I'm glad you said about drilling because I think, again, the way the game has gone now, the rewards, and, and Graham has touched on it, you know, there's one be ones all over the park. And that's going to happen the biggest game. It's going to happen in the World Cup. It happened last night, you say, in the Ukraine game. Now, if you can dominate a 1v1, if you go by, by the first player, what's the current player going to do? If he's drawn to you, you'll slip your mate in. If he's not drawn to you, you go on and shoot. So mm-hmm. the art of dribbling, and I'm, again, this is what we got. There's always a re- we question is, where are our dribblers? And where are they going to come from? They're not just going to come from thin air. And they're probably so, scared out of the game, like you were saying. Well, there's a tendency in... in, in, in you know, for me, we talk about, you know, two young teams respected to pass the ball, one or two touch. And, you know, if you, if you take an extra touch on the ball, you know, move it quicker. Yeah. There's a balance to that. There's a balance to that. For me, I would rather let a kid overdo it between six and 12 and rein him in a little bit. That was, that was great when, when you get into that professional environment. But the, the big things for me, um, between, say, six and 12, you get as comfortable as you can on the ball. With your, with your range of dribbling, you, you change the direction, your tricks, um, your, even your, even the way you kick the ball. You know, can you clip a ball? Can you pass into a pace? Can you steal a ball? Can you bend a little ball? It's more, again, we're talking about probably 10-year-olds in terms of bending with quality, you know? But be, be, all the stuff, possession-wise, as comfortable as you can with the ball and being able to solve problems under pressure with a trick. To get you to get yourself so you can be the man in that way and then on the other side for me at that age it, it's the one v one defending it's the jockeying the sheet you know the showing the man away from goal and and getting your tackle in when he's overrunning or whatever you know it's it's learning how to be a defender without just charging in um which kids tend to do at a young age it's staying on your feet and uh dominate controlling that one v one when you haven't got the ball yeah, and I suppose there's situations, Graham, in these five-a-side games where you would have uh, the way it's shaped up is you have two dropping out for the goalkeeper, two a little bit for, further forward. Yeah. If you have 
we'll say in, in lower level football, you have a weaker player who is getting caught out in the ball constantly in the back line, trying to dribble out by a player. There is ways of doing it, isn't there? You can put the stronger players in the back line, uh, let them uh, feed the players who are that slightly little bit weaker uh, with the dribbling and let them lose the ball a little bit higher. Then it mightn't affect your team as much, but you're still giving them that encouragement yeah. to go and win it. And he doesn't lose the confidence to, to That's the big dribble. thing, yeah. And I, I, I also think, we are, you know, you're, you're probably protecting the child a little bit as well because... He's looking around and he might have dribbled twice and lost it and you can see two goals and he's thinking, I don't really want this and I don't want to concede the tour yeah, and I don't I mean, want to let yeah. my teammates down. And you have to understand that as well from a, an eight or a nine-year-old's point of view. He's probably looking, thinking, get me out of this. Um, so, you, so you have to respect that as well and you can't just keep loading them up because, again, the cynical side of it is the other team might be going, let him have it. You know, and, and that comes as well because we're and kids cop on quick and go, he's gonna get it because I can I've won it yeah. off him twice and I haven't got it off the other lad. And and so you you like you said, you might just go, We can change that, or you might just say, Do you know what? Before the keeper cuts it down, the two we used to do it before the retreat line came in was our two full backs would swap with the two wingers, just just rotate so that they could get free. We done it before the retreat line, so it was like, how do you get free? And what happened was that the lads marking them would be looking, thinking, where do we go? And then we get out once, and that you know you'd work or something like that. So yeah, like you said, protecting the the, the kid as well. But like you said, Martin said, then there's levels here, and and, mm. and you have to make sure that the right level. I think that I I think for six to ten year olds, I think. The biggest I remember somebody said this and it stuck with me about having an affection with the football that you know does that you know you, you want to manipulate you want to be able to do things where you want to be able to go I can bend that one or I can I can go outside of my left boot here I've seen that and just having that feel of a football that you're constantly able to you you nearly feel I can do what I like with this this will do what I nearly wanted to do and again you can't redo that at twenty. Like, like no. I redone you... a lot. I redone a lot at, at probably sixteen. Like I, when I went to the UK, I, I worked a lot on my longer pass and my longer striking of the ball. I was really poor at it. Probably at fifteen, by sixteen, I was good. By by the time I played in the league, I could, as Martin would know, I'd, I'd hit diags yeah. probably three a game. I couldn't do that at fifteen. But I tell you what, I could never redo. I could never go back and learn how to redribble. Never. You know, there was one again, another another learning point for me. Again, again, my first first year in the UK with United as a apprentice. I think I've told the story once or twice, but it was a big one for me in terms of skill development. Um, we had a we had a boy who was um, the first. You're going back to 80, 80, 80, 83, 84. but I'd never seen I'd never seen a double step over. You know, I played in Fairview Park and I played all over the place, um, and I'd never seen anybody do this. This fella, fella called Nicky Wood. And he got into United's first team, but sadly he, he retired um, due to a back injury very young. He was he was playing quite regularly in the first in reserve games and getting first team games. But um, he he was doing um, he was doing double step overs, and um, so because again we had afternoon sessions, we call them technical sessions. You know, the coach used to love him, and he'd say he'd want everybody to be able to do this one. You know, and you practice it. So in the in 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 the in the in the thing I have and um, the indoor place to be, you practice it. So I'd be going double step. Blah, 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 blah. Come Saturday, you think I try it? 
not, <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. Because I, I knew I hadn't perfected it well enough to, to have that in my locker. I had different turns, but I'd never practiced that one. And I, it was too late for me. And, then yeah. I, and people might, I mean, I don't know, um, you know, if skill coaches would differ, but I think it's great. I would probably tend to agree. It's, you've got to bring that with you, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, yeah. rather than kick it in at 16. I used to spend a lot of time as a young kid passing. I didn't just, you know, I, I, I said, I want to change the directions that they were the ones I used. But a big learning uh, um, thing for me as a coach was if you're asking a kid at 16 suddenly to perfect a step over, you probably ask them too late. Yeah. yeah. And that, 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 that can go up. Any, any skill that a kid has by the time he's 16, 17, he's, he's been practicing that younger. It's just, you know, very difficult to do that. The, the ball mastery and the things of having skills like that, that. As that. like yourself, he's going to use the skills that he's perfected rather than the ones that he yeah. hasn't. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I understand that. Well, the muscle got... memory thing, doesn't it, Martin? Yeah. Like you, yeah. When somebody, okay. like, as a defender, if, for example, I check it. I check a striker. Like I, I pretend like I was going to tackle him and see which way he go. Our reaction. So I, I go. Now if I know when I'm going to tackle him, I know his go-to is to go outside of his right boot or outside of his left. So if I was ever committing to a tackle, I, and I knew Martin's left footed, he wants to go outside of his left boot to help protect it. Mm-hmm. When I was biting, I would bite that side because I knew that was his go-to. That was his safety. So again, you you like that's something that you take with you that you go. That's me. That's where mm-hmm. I know I'm protected because that's me one I have. So uh, it, that that's I agree with Martin there. You, you like you need to work on multiple it's ways. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's habits, and, and, and all players, the top players, have certain habits that they're really good at, and certain habits that they're not so good at because they they haven't practiced those habits as often. Yeah. Okay. So really for me on a national level, I think there needs for me, I think there needs to be something addressed at that age group um, that to, to help make uh, kids technically better, give them a better opportunity of being technically better, whether you're with, with community club and mostly you're with community clubs Um how, how that happens. Uh, I haven't got that down to a T yet, but I think there's not. I think there's not enough focus on that area. And for us to be like Portugal, who turn out kids left, right, and centre with the technical ability, there there has to be something that's going on over there that we're not doing, and well, we, need go, to, go, we need to. We need to have it, a look. It, it go, right, quickly goes. It goes back to basically your culture, your culture, and we talk about this. I've said this many times that again, in general, and I, I don't know about it's changing too much since I've talked about this a few years ago. If you go, if you go to a kids game on the seven and the eight, one of the shouts that you'll hear is "Get rid of it," yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's that goes back to that fear of not losing that game. And as long as we yeah. have that culture in the mainstream, in, in the main, have that culture. How is it? How is a kid going to take a chance? Yeah. You know. So yeah. we have still too much of that. Whereas I think somebody said the way Spain play football, they try to embarrass you. Their culture yeah. is to be excellent with the ball to measure everything. You know, not to waste it. Our culture is to get rid of it. And until that culture changes, and I'm not saying everybody, but the, there's, 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 a, there's a fair majority that still have that in, in, in regards to young kids. They don't, so anytime the ball's going near the goal, get rid of it. Yeah, well, here's okay. a question like, how, how would a Spanish team, how would a Spanish 12 team, if it's winning 2 0, see a game out compared to a, an Irish team? 
Like, mm. and that's and again, the we, thing is, it is. But you know, be, sometimes, it, sometimes you've got to be careful that we don't stereotype everybody. Yeah, I'm we're sure not. Spanish, yeah, and we're not. I'm sure like, Spanish yeah, lads that yeah. play long ball in, in certain And, and by the way, sure. we we have to embrace our own culture as well. Exactly. We have to go. Do you know what? We we we. We'll yeah. run. We don't play in the heat. We 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 we, yeah. we need to run. We need to be more active. We need to we need to like go thunder at times and play a little bit more high energy game. So I get that. Like it, it, it reminded me we were playing. I remember this. I never forget this because there was a young lad. He, his his son had just come to sign for us. We were playing out in Stella. We were winning two 0 with a Rovers team back in twenty fifteen, and this and we were they scored make it two one. There's five minutes to go and. The parents starts. The parents are getting into it and they're shouting, "Just clear it, get it out, clear it!" Mm. And I, I let her, I shouted across. I said, "Paddy, uh, stop it!" I went, "Don't shout that, don't, because you're making them panic at a time when I want them to be the calmest people they can be." Is that the more you panic them, it, 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 you're nearly like we've the gold cushion here. We're okay. They're the ones that need to panic. They need to score. We don't. We're okay. Relax when you're winning. Play. Play when you're winning. We've the goal cushion. If you draw two all, I'm okay with that. Like, so, and that's, and the, the, I pulled, the parent came in afterwards. I'm really sorry, Graham. I said, listen, this isn't the way it's done. Like, because I don't want, and Martin knows this. I would have, a 2 1 up, I would have been. The one defender would have been like, listen, let's go here. So I'm not as cultured as Martin was as a footballer. I would have been the one that was cleared now. Stop messing in there. Get rid of this. Like, we're I would have been the one now. that probably gave away the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who was probably the complete opposite of what I'm trying to teach because I wanted calmness and relaxed. And I was like, again, I would probably have been a bit... I would keep a clean sheet, don't worry about it. But to the detriment of us playing, I would have been like, listen, let's just clear it and let's get us up the pitch. And but again, I think but, what you're, you're different, you're, you're talking about you as a coach of a, of a, of a, of a school, but yeah. a young team that you, you're it's, it doesn't matter, it's not the European Cup today, it's about yeah. them becoming better players and being able to deal in pressure situations. Yeah, and you recognize you're, you're seeing the big picture, whereas the parent is saying, success for us today is the to win, not to lose this game, to win the game. Yeah. That's success. And you're, yeah. you're with your education as a coach yeah. and saying, no, it's not just success. Success, he's got to be able to play this game out in the right way. Yeah, yep. that's 100%. Okay. That's a better way. That's a more articulate way than I <laughs> Right, we're going to have to leave it there because we're, we're, we're well over time at the moment. I expected it. We've got two chatters there. And when you get oh. start talking about football and coaching, you do get uh, you get dragged into it. Uh, Graham, thanks very much. And Martin, no thanks problem. very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. and a real pleasure listening to you as well. Um, <laughs> if you are looking at this and you haven't seen the first coaching debate, go have a look back. Um, uh, we had a, a good conversation on there, which Martin alluded to as well Um, and we'll talk to you next week thanks very much